Can I just start by saying I have been finally oh. prompted to go back and listen to early Cease Operate episodes. Don't don't do it. You you keep you, no, no, you do on. this to yourself. You just got to delete them. No, no. So here's the thing. I have, I know we've talked about this a lot, yeah. but it was always like ha ha ha. That would be a funny slash awkward thing to do. Right. But this week. I was catching up with my brother and a friend of ours from up north, uh-huh. and uh-huh. he alerted me to the fact that he has started re-listening to Seesaw Parade oh, no. from the very start. Don't do it. From episode one uh, up to the, the modern day. And with a, uh, a nudge, it was, uh, uh, Colin, I think you should probably go and do the same because there's some <laughs> things in there which may have aged badly. <laughs> And he's he's correct. Ah oh, man, who did you do an impression of? So in the, so I'll get to that. Oh dear. But basically, I have uh, gone into our SoundCloud and have privatized yeah. uh, a certain number of episodes, and yeah, now considering doing the rest of the early episodes. Yeah, I mean, you're 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 also more than welcome to download them. Uh, edit out the mom- the bad bits and just like put, it, put put in an apology for the duration, like re- record a hey, this is current Colin, right? In the past, both of us were being really, really not smart people, and we've decided to delete that part of ourselves. Um, sorry, and you can detail what we did, and then like episode re-enters. It would be most of all the episodes, <laughs> but you can do that. I mean, I mean, most of the early episodes certainly. <laughs> Because in the opening 13 minutes of this uh, this episode, which I'm not going to give you a number, but it's gone anyway. Nice. And I will be I will be methodically going through the rest of them and, and putting them all to private as well. Excellent. But in the uh, in the opening minutes, I did an impression of Barack Obama, right? Which actually was among the least of the bad things we uh, we did. I think yeah, an Obama impression is an Obama impression. Yeah. I we we had some very glib chat about three person babies. I made an Indian Apache joke. That's terrible. Yeah, I, I called I, Jonah Hill unattractive because he's fat. <gasps> I slagged off people who win best sound editing and best costumes at the Oscars as not the prizes that anyone normal cares about. I, I care about what them, but I also am normal. So, so do I. You just wanted to be cool. But also, like, what an absolute we I, I probably did worse things for all I know. I just don't listen to it in the hopes that they'll just disappear. And we both also came to the wrong conclusion that uh, at the time when we were discussing North Korea hacking Sony, both of us were like, nah, it wasn't North Korea. And it turns out it was. Well, yeah, we were wrong about a lot of things. Being wrong <laughs> is very normal for us. I don't want to delete the being wrong. Uh, and you know, the oh, I, I agree. It's, it's more the stuff which uh, has yeah, just aged yeah, yeah. very poorly. Coronavirus? Government will have that in control. They'll just quarantine the cases as they appear. Government will be good at things. The other, yep. the other main thing I did take from the early episodes of the podcast, and by the way, I am going to privatize the first at least 50 episodes potentially the first 100 i'd go i'd go 100 just okay. make it clean and then you can pretend the numbering system is season one <laughs> <laughs> but also the fact that as episodes they're just not well presented they're no. boring they yeah. are badly edited sure ah. you did your you did your best of like 15 minutes of time every day. But we, we were learning. That's the thing. Exactly. Exactly. We wouldn't be here if we didn't do the terrible stuff. We really should have done the terrible stuff uh, for two years and then started actually <laughs> producing. But hey, we skipped the part where you have a brain. Yeah. And the reason I went back to the episode I did listen to was because it turned out it was recorded seven years ago. And I thought, wow. oh, my days. 
We've been doing this for seven years. You might not believe it looking at the episode number, but yeah, we have. Clearly, we have, you know, I was reflecting on this myself, clearly have grown up a lot in that time. Yeah. Both as, you know, just becoming better people. Right. But also just being like more us and less, hey, I I present the Riverside show and I'm a big deal and I don't care what anyone says. (laughs) And me. (laughs) (laughs) And James. But even little things like the fact that on the the episode I listened to, it was maybe 25 seconds after the the show starts and suddenly I'm saying, hello, uh, welcome to Seesaw Parade, I'm Colin Stone and that's James McDonald. And we we just go straight into, hey, let's talk about the National Television Awards. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. We tried to have topics a bit harder back then and it was... We did. There was effort but all in the wrong places. I think think the deletion is completely acceptable. There's nothing there to be proud of. I agree. Uh, even if even if there wasn't anything outright uh, offensive, just there's no point. I don't want the problem is I can't tell people go listen to my podcast because they'll go listen to the start, and it sucks. <laughs> so I just don't tell anyone to listen. <laughs> so he's just gonna start at the good part. I'd go for deleting up to like last week and starting again. Oh, okay. What what do you think about offense archaeology? You know, people who who say, "Ha, ah, Colin, you've had it too good for too long. I'm going to find something offensive you said in a podcast." Do, do you think that's legit? It was kind of legit, right? But for me, the important part is what happens after that, right? You make mistakes in your past, big or small, right? Someone comes to you with them and is like presents them to you. You've got to at that point. Do a real genuine apology, not the like the I'm sorry if I offended you stuff that you see most people say. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And then actually deal with it. Like either put it in a separate archive of here's the things we did that are, that are wrong or delete it and say we're deleting it because we don't want more harm to be caused. Most people uh, in far more legitimate positions than us who are more worried about their net worth and stuff don't apologize. They just say, hey... You got offended. I'm sorry that you got offended. Okay. And then they'll just like try to move on. So, so there's part of me which is like morbid curiosity. I do want to listen to every old episode. But then part of me is just like, actually, the biggest offense that people will take from this was just how bad some of the episodes were. That's They're just boring. Yeah. yeah we yeah. couldn't talk. Well, you could talk. I couldn't talk. But your humor was just trash. Still is. Um, continues to be. But now I can talk. <laughs> so we, we make up for it. <laughs> I would say we have both improved in various different ways i'm less of a douchebag i've got a cat now who meows sometimes i think i think barbara though and i was yeah i was talking about this with someone recently i think at the time circa 2015 certainly 2014-15 right i i was very much heavily leaning into the okay i'm i'm cocky but at least i know it which is not a good thing you're you're presenting a a personality that was a cover absolutely and that's uh sad so like I, it all makes sense. I I'd advise you to just download the episodes rather than like le- like if you want to listen to them, just get a flash drive, put them all on there. You can keep them forever okay. and listen to them someday, because servers are, servers are less permanent. Um, but I think I think Colin, it's time that we revamp this show oh, or this podcast. Right? How? Uh, I don't know, but I'm gonna I'll, I'll know by next week because I'll start thinking about it right now. Okay, there was one final observation that uh, Chris had, which was um, in the early episodes we used to drink more whilst recording the show. You used to drink more. <laughs> it's also uh, yeah, perhaps you know folding in on this uh, whole cover idea, you know, just just drank <laughs> and you know sometimes early afternoons whilst doing the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I would join you. I will. I will. I will admit this, but I think my rate of of slightly slightly tipsy episodes is around about the same. I just don't mention it so much. Yeah, that's true. If we were recording late in the day on a weekend, fine. Then you know, less acceptable when it's at <laughs> eleven a.m. on a Monday. Anyway, James, how are you on this Thursday afternoon? Um, I'm all right. I've had my <laughs> in great news. I've had my work for the next two days cancelled, which means I don't get really much uh, in terms of payment for the next two days of my life, which usually I kind of like to get. Yep. Um, but I'll I'll just I'll just pretend this is the weekend and then work some other days in the future. Okay. Yeah. Well, tears to the long weekend. But you know what? I will spend some of that time thinking up of a idea for this podcast that will make it something we can be proud of forever and not it have to just something. continuously delete after we've aged seven years. I, I, I'm confident that everything post episode 100 is fine, but... I, I, okay. I'm not. <laughs> I'm more confident because, you know, that's that's more recent history, but, you know, you, you, you may well be right. I will pitch something to you on the air next week and you'll be like, whoa, that's a really good idea. Okay. I'm going to commit to it. And I don't know what that idea is, but... I promise. <laughs> I look forward to the conclusion of that investigation. As for uh, as for myself, thanks for asking. I uh, have had a busy, a busy week where, uh, once again, there are too few hours and too many things that need to be done. Ah, uh, it happens. Namely, uh, the fact that I have decided, or rather myself and Graham have decided as a, as a team, mm-hmm. that's, that's who we are, mm-hmm. we're not a couple, we're a team, mm-hmm. to get a new car. Hey! It's time to say au revoir to my poor aging Frenchman, <laughs> who has uh, popped up on the show numerous times, but having had good conversations with actual car people, right? we've decided that actually, it, in every single metric, it is a better idea to yes. uh, chuck him in right. and say bonjour to someone new. <laughs> Maybe also French. Well, I, I'm trying to think how you say it. Of Wiedersehen ah. to... Uh, to a new model, or perhaps just hi. Hi works. Yeah, yeah. It might Hello. be a, a Vauxhall. But anyway, that's that's also that's the current um, stress is figuring out. Okay, how much can I afford for a car that's not going to burn through my money? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Usually ends up being something more expensive than you're paying for at the moment. Indeed, but indeed. that's that is life. It is indeed, life. and it's very much first world problems. It is, like, yeah, yeah. First world problems, but also like pretty high up there in first world problems. There, there was uh, who was it this week? There was a uh, somebody famous said, "Hey, young people today, all you need to do to save up for a house is stop <laughs> spending money on Netflix and the gym." No way! I can't remember Nobody who it was. Nobody still gonna... says that seriously. Please, no, seriously. Yeah, I'll, I'll look it up. Right, and <sighs> right, she it, was yeah. arguing in a some sort of Sunday Times column that that's all it would take. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Right, someone that wrote for the Sunday Times. It makes it makes sense. <laughs> they just need to give up these luxuries, and they'll have a, a mortgage in no time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think I think what was being argued, or by people who, first of all, on social media, were saying this person is completely tone deaf. Right. But even if you took out all the luxuries she was talking about. And we're living this frugal lifestyle. Yeah. You'd save about uh, £1,600 a year. Yes. And the average deposit for your average British house today is £54,000. So you'd be Whoa. saving, without your luxuries, for about 30 years. Perfect. Doable. you got to start the day you're born. And that's a lot of the responses were, hey, I was a fireman in 1970 with my £1,000 a year salary. And I got a mortgage for £3,500. That's exactly And the it. house I now own... 
is worth a quarter yeah. of a million. But th- that's exactly it. It's if, if you look back and everyone who's like, well, when I was y- your age, I could get a house on, on the wage when I just lived a normal life. It's like, well, yeah, things were, the houses were cheaper. <laughs> just That's just the fact. It took less of your wage to get the house. So your wage could be smaller. You could live even less frugally and afford the house. But the, the perspective just isn't there. They, they've got the house. Their house increased in value. Nothing else did. But they think that they're the person who made their house increase in value. And it's their savvy that has them all this wealth now. But nope, it's just the trend. And it left the future generations behind. It, it was Sorry, it was TV presenter Kirsty Alsop oh, who said that... Very clever. Even if all your friends and family live in the south of England, you should maybe consider moving to Newcastle because oh, it's yeah. cheaper. I did see a little... I saw That did pop off my feed, the advice to move north of your poor. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I, <laughs> I, I know what the answer is here, but what is it that, that these people just say, you know what, this is common sense. Well, I must say it out loud in a public published column for people to agree with me. It's the same thing I do, and it's the same thing you do, where you talk to the people in your circle, they all have exactly the same opinion and just nod their head when you say your big brain thing. Right, right, right. And then you're like, I'm ready to present this to the public. Everyone I spoke to agreed with me. Um, However, your circles and my circles are probably more diverse in terms of, let's say, wealth, in terms of like cultural background and all those things, whereas a lot of these people have... uh, very specific circle of friends who are all just well off and therefore don't have actual real opinions on anything. There are not wealthy people who have the who have the empathy they need. There are, but I'm, I'm exaggerating. In reaction to this, the Sheffield Star newspaper did uh, wrote an article about how long would it take you if you were on the most expensive Netflix subscription of 14 quid a month? How long would it take you to have enough for a deposit? 174 years. <laughs> For the average uh, house in Sheffield, which is £29,000 for a deposit. It's also it's also mad to me that all these like people in charge of like the the bank's social media accounts and all of these opinions in the, in the papers think that we all buy all these things each and that we don't all just share each other's accounts because we all can't exactly. afford them ourselves. We can't even afford the luxuries. Never mind aff- like actually buy them all. I I I've I've got one account that I get from I get from a Netflix from someone. I got one that I get for Disney from someone. I share my uh, my anime one with someone. Nice. It, we all pay for our thing and then we give the passwords to our friends because friends are family do, do, do you know that actually i am the sheer the sheer e when it comes to all these things i've got i think three people using my disney and about four people using my netflix why didn't you offer them to me because <laughs> i thought you had them already but uh I, if i can get you onto one of them then just ask i think i could get you on my netflix no no don't don't worry you probably could now, i've currently still got everything i need but i'll let you know if, if another if another necessary purchase pops up, I will let you know that we can we can have a shared account okay. with our finances. Once we start our Patreon, then people can share their Seesaw Parade Patreon. Hey, hey, if I come back to you next week with a really good idea to make this podcast something to be proud of, we can start a Patreon. Okay. <laughs> and again, who's going to pay for it? <laughs> well, whoever for is, real. they're probably going to be paying for it with shared accounts. <laughs> and we won't, we won't hold it against them. <laughs> Okay. Uh, just before we start, I, I, this does li- link on to the fact that energy bills are going to go up for everybody. I, I was going to say we left that off the page. I've got a few notes. By about half. Okay, well, well let's, let's talk about it in just a second then. Because that then links into the fact that the government, to make things more affordable, decided 
to give every household a £200 yep. loan. This is where we start. I am glad. Shall we do the show so that we can actually talk about this one? Okay. Well, let's talk about it now and then let's introduce the show. How about that for our revamp? Okay. Okay. Let's, let's do it. Something to be proud of. So for the, those of you who missed this, the government is going to give every homeowner or energy bill payer a £200 loan off their bill this year. Yes. So that your your bill bites less. Right, but it's a mandatory loan. It's yes, you do not get a say in it. The two hundred pound is coming off yes, your bill. Everybody everybody's bill is getting reduced Correct. by two hundred. Yay. Hooray. Isn't that great? Just the government doing a good thing and freeing up some money. Yay. That's that's so great. But what they miss out is the fact that over the next five years, you will pay back forty quid a year. Yep. Off this £200. Yep. So, your bills aren't going to be as expensive this year. They'll just be even more expensive next year. Yay! Isn't that great? But you know what? Actually, if that was the the whole scope of it, I'd be, like, leaning towards, like, I okay, that's I'm neutral. If that was the scope, I'd be neutral. Right. However. However. Have you considered what happens to somebody, let's say... You're in a relationship and you're paying the bills together. Okay. You get that £200 off and then next month you split up and you've got two accommodations for the next several years. <laughs> Guess how much money you pay back? Double. Twice as much as you borrow. Yay. Yay. Isn't that great mandatory getting getting by the government? <laughs> Yay. <laughs> yep. Sorry. You can bleep out and do it again so people can like fill in the blank. <laughs> Let me know what you filled that blank in as on Twitter. <laughs> okay, good stuff. Mandatory blanked by the government. Well, on that note, <laughs> welcome to Seesaw Parade. I'm blank and he's blank. Uh, am I? <laughs> All the time. Vacant. Empty. <laughs> Mere vessels in this. That uh... is what it is like to have been born into our generation. Oh, I know. It's horrible. Anyway, welcome to the show. I feel sorry for the ones that came after the, us. The joy, I do. Absolutely. People who in high school had smartphones. Um, yeah. Like, if I had been, genuinely, if there were smartphones had been around in high school, I I can't even bear to think how I would have coped with that. That would have been horrendous. Ah. Yep. It was bad enough having Bebo and yep. sending love to the boys in my class, I fancied. <laughs> Wish that was a joke. No, no. No. Sorry, Mark Bag. See, I was lucky in that I was super cultishly sheltered. So nice. I had my awful, embarrassing teenage years in my 20s. And they're coming to an end now. So <laughs> I'll get to be an adult from now on. Yeah, you're going to hit the big three zero in four months. Less than that. Three and a bit months. I am. Wow. I am. Okay. Well, welcome to the show, which um, is only for mature adults. <laughs> which is not a sentence I expected to say today. And you are listening. Do you want to get... <laughs> You are listening to Scotland's longest running season one of any news, entertainment, politics, sport, yep, absolutely Russian-Ukraine potential war podcast in existence, and we are less popular than getting. Well, most things would be actually. I assume that that's also true. These better all be getting bleeped. I, I'm going to enjoy <laughs> listening to it. Do people just. <laughs> First of all, they're going to assume the assumptions people will make. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Okay, well, the editing is going to be required, James. I don't get paid enough to do it. I'll do. I'll pay you. I'll pay you for this one. If you if if custom bleeps are going to cost you money, time and money, I will pay it. I am a a loyal Twitch subscriber of yours. 
It's about time you paid you paid me for my Twitch editing or podcast editing. Anyway, you can get in touch with the show at Seasoperate on Twitter, Seasoperate at gmail.com. Thank you very much to everybody who has got in touch. Really do appreciate it. I do want to go back to uh, Anthony, who gave us a review of the tragedy of Macbeth. Thank you, Anthony. All the way from the US a couple of weeks oh. ago. We did speculate if he was the listener that was giving us all the bumps in Ohio. Oh, right. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Turns out, no. That's, oh. that's still the, the Spotify algorithm. He replied, he said, sadly, not from Ohio. I've only been there for a day. Right. I'm pretty sure that's where I got COVID right, so in bad. 2020. Okay, that's pretty bad for Ohio. So for that, and also they voted for Trump, the state is pretty much all bad news. Right, yeah, okay. So actually, when you said sadly not from Ohio, you might have meant happily. <laughs> not from Ohio. Yeah, you know, quite pleased hey. to not be from Ohio. <laughs> Whoever that listener is, is is giving you all your listens. I feel bad for them. Right, right, and also is uh, is from New York. He would like to clarify, is from New York. Beautiful, oh. beautiful state, beautiful city. And uh, I tell you what, in terms of price of cost of living, if I had unlimited money, <laughs> I was just about to make a rent joke. <laughs> hey. In terms of uh, the cost of living, I was actually going to make a, a salient point. I would live in New York City because it is my favorite place. All right, very Favorite nice. place I've ever been. It's that's cool. Splendid. No, I, I held off on the rent joke because I was going to say it is nice to be taken seriously for a change and have someone answer our question. Absolutely. You know what? That feels good. It does. Thank you. And if you would like also like to feel good, you can get in touch. Ceaseoperate at gmail.com. <laughs> And review something you have watched, be that a TV show, a film, a book, which I may have for you next week if I ever get to finish this book by Akala. Mm -hmm. I've been talking about it for about a year. I'm almost finished. I will get to it. Right. Excellent. And we'll get to what we've been watching, including the new Matrix movie and Encanto, well, Oscar-nominated Encanto, later on. Yeah. Okay. James, let's uh, crack on. Let's talk at long last... Because the world's been waiting for our our take on this. <laughs> I bet they have been. Sue Gray's report is yes. out. Yes. Okay, well, this is the news that Sue Gray's report was finally unveiled uh, about uh, a week ago. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Blaming a failure of leadership Whoa. at the top of Downing Street for allowing parties to take place whilst yep. the country was yep. under strict lockdown. So, yes, uh, Miss Gray said uh, that these events should not have been allowed to take place. <gasps> no, sh- Sherlock. <gasps> and Miss Gray was investigating sixteen separate gatherings, including three yes. that were previously unknown. Isn't that great? Isn't it just so cool? It's so cool. Boris said he accepted the findings in full uh-huh. and then apologised. He said oh. he said he did say sorry. He's Wow. Cannot believe it. He has accepted them in full and he's taken full responsibility to say sorry and try to move us all on. The Metropolitan Police have confirmed they're investigating 12 of the events, right. eight of them on separate dates for alleged COVID rule breaking. We will get back to the Met Police in a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one of those includes the uh, 20th of May 2020 event, which was the Bring Your Own Booze to the Downing Street Garden, right. uh, which the PM apologised for attending, as well as Boris's birthday party where he was ambushed by a cake. Absolutely. As we discussed in the last episode. They are sneaky. What also happened this week, James? Another photo emerged of Boris 
hats in yeah. a Christmas hat. It's not a trash tier photo. Like, who on earth is taking these? Wrapped in tinsel. I presume people on the inside who said, hey, we need to get some material on this just in case things go tits up. Setting up a little Chromebook, getting the webcam on. Yeah, absolutely. Sponsored by Anyway. He was pictured with a hat and tinsel and holding some bubbly and some crisps. Sitting next to some crisps. Yeah, yeah. Tinsel adorned by some other human being. So, j- just on the early stages of this, the, 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 the Sue Gray report was not published in full. Yeah. Obviously, uh, MPs have called for it to be published in full. Yeah, we'll get it in like five years. Right. right. Boris yep. then came out and said, sorry, so what do you... Uh-huh. See as uh, the impact or the damage of said report. Said report, not a lot of damage. Uh, clearly, the report meant that the failure of leadership was like the the leader, the like chief aides and the the, the leaders of the people who help Boris, not actually like Boris. So therefore, Boris can just say sorry, and then some of the people that help him can right. can can disappear, can get in quotes fired by quitting. Um, and and then everyone will forget about it and move on, and it definitely won't keep brewing. Uh, within and out with the party and what like the report itself is actually a nothing for now okay uh, but over it's not going to make everything go away at the same time it clearly hasn't made things go away the 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 fact that there's still more pictures to come and apparently according to dominic better pictures incoming um no. it means that this will keep trickling on until eventually it destabilizes things enough for for Boris to have to go. I'll, I'll come back to that in just a second, but to continue the narrative of what happened afterwards is about five days ago, we had five senior staff members resign, Whoa. including the uh, head of communications, including yeah. the uh, the director who instigated the boozy lunch invite. Yeah. So we had uh, these people all left. We also had the uh, head of yeah, policy. The, clearly, that's what leadership means. Yeah. See? Head. Yeah. Head. Head. They're the leaders. It's not Boris. Boris is fine. Okay, so, so they all went out. Uh, senior civil servant Martin Reynolds, he was the one who invited the, uh, sent out the invitation to bring your own booze. Also had, yes, as you said there, James uh, Policy Chief Manira Mirza, and she quit over the mm-hmm, Prime mm-hmm. Minister's false claim that Sir Keir Starmer had failed to prosecute Jimmy Savile, which, again, yeah. completely incorrect. It's actually a lie. And we'll come back to that as well. Just straight up a lie. Yep, 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 so, yep. Uh, yeah, Miss Mirza, who had worked alongside Boris for 14 years, described his comments about Jimmy Savile as scurrilous. Ooh. And uh, Rishi Sunak then distanced himself. Great word. Rishi Sunak then distanced himself from the, the PM, saying, being honest, I wouldn't have said it. And then Mr. Johnson... Didn't apologize. Yeah, but that's like the hardest anyone went. There's other people who are saying that they stand by what the PM said. Most of the front bench seems to just not be saying much about it. Um, PM is standing by it as well. Number 10 has said he refuses to uh, apologize and they they are sticking with it. Um, And in the meantime, Starmer is getting ambushed by by, uh, angry people. And in part because of this. Let's talk about that in a second. So to confirm... Director of comms, quit. Yep. Head of staff or chief of staff, quit. 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 Pre, uh, PM's principal private secretary was uh, Mr. Reynolds. And then two of the policy chiefs, one of which was Miss Mirza and then uh, her assistant, Mr. or Miss Narozansky. Yes. So those were five people who, in very short order, shipped up 
and ship, no, <laughs> shipped out. <laughs> yeah, shipped out. Just packed themselves into neat boxes, hoping that they hadn't been tarnished enough that they can't get a good job if they quit soon enough. Because they did make mistakes. Right. They've recognized those mistakes. They haven't actually really apologized for them. They've just tried to detach themselves from the problem to land a new job before the police get them. So that's about it as far as I'm aware. As you've, you've noted there, these people have left. Because they've realised... Yeah, they did leave. They've, they've come to a stance of either, okay, this is now untenable and it's affecting my future job prospects. I want to be seen as the person who quit. Yeah. Who couldn't stand for this any longer. Yeah. What about what about Boris? Because as you say, this is going to continue to trickle on. More photos on the way. I'm sure there'll be more information on the way as well. More stats. Met police inquiry continuing. We'll get to that. At what point? Surely if, if he resigned and someone else took over, then it's like, okay, story's over. New Prime Minister. Yeah, yeah, you'd think so. But he, obviously, he does. He, he don't want to do that. In, in part, the problem for the Tories uh, is that most of the other people who were big names and maybe vying for the next, um, to be next Prime Minister, were kind of also at several of these events. So the, the, the story could just move on to them. Um, they also want to hold on to Boris so they can keep pinning Brexit failures onto him and keep pinning COVID failures onto him. So there is this ideal world for them where they just hold on to Boris long enough that they can get rid of him and make him the the the, the scapegoat without tying the whole party to him. But they have tied the whole party to him. It's pretty evident that even within some very loyal Tory voting areas. They've they've kind of awakened and they've realised this is a this is a conservative problem, not a Boris problem. So it is going to take them a little bit more work than just getting rid of Boris to undo the mess. I am sure it will just be the case of like getting rid of Boris and then saying immigrants are bad, and then everyone will forget about it all and be like, oh, I like the Tories again. Um, okay, because people's priorities are very weird, and it's like hard to it's hard to keep the Tories out of power for these for those reasons. But yeah, it, like Boris is trying to pretend that he's taking charge. He's trying to pretend that these people quit because he fired them. He's trying to do this and that, but it's not going to work. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, the media isn't even really backing him up to the degree that you might expect. So I don't know how long it lasts. I think still we got another few months ahead of us. But if he keeps just blatantly lying about the opposition and things like that when he feels challenged and a bit inept... It might be sooner than later. So, so we've had a couple... You mentioned the Tory party as a whole there. So we've had a couple of uh, people come out from the woodwork to say their bit. Former Prime Minister Sir John Major, who was a Conservative uh, Prime Minister in the 90s, came out to say that uh, Boris Johnson and his officials broke lockdown laws yeah. and yeah. Uh, accused them of feeling like they need not obey the rules, adding that outright lies breed contempt. It's almost so, like he's got eyes or something and can read the papers we also had Theresa May or sorry I should say Lady May slam Boris in the commons last week as well for basically similar things with a bombshell followed up by uh, one of the biggest conservative donors John Armitage who's given more than three million pounds to the conservatives don't know why probably more than several Russians also said that Boris was now past the point of no return and should resign so yeah, we are at this point then getting to bigger and bigger names who are, as we've discussed in the past, Scottish Conservatives have called for him to go for about a month now. Mm-hmm. And eventually it will get to a point of, OK, everybody except the cabinet are saying he should go and talking off said cabinet. That was the other thing that Boris did this week. He reshuffled his top team. 
So various he people. Reese Mogg just got a f- and upgraded his job for free. Just Extra got promotions money for the big boy. Yeah. So everyone's favourite Victorian, Jacob Rees Mogg, is uh, now the <laughs> Minister for Brexit Opportunities. This is the most made-up job. <laughs> like there, there's there's a job for like the Duchy of Lancaster, some stupid thing that is in a zero position. Someone who just does stuff job. Yep. This is more made up than that. The Minister for Brexit Opportunities. It's like the Minister for Blue Sky Thinking. The opportunity is being like, now that everything's bad, we try and reclaim anything. Right, right. Make the paperwork a bit shorter. That's the opportunity. It's like, just just, just a little bit of damage reduction, maybe. We got a, we got a chance at this. The, the Minister of Going Forward. <laughs> well, that's not a very conservative thing. It's they're more into Going just backward. like keeping things as they are. Thank you very much. The Minister of Holistic Approaches. Oh dear. Genuinely, I'm sure these are job titles somewhere. Just replace maybe replace minister with head. Oh boy. New job title on LinkedIn. <laughs> head of Holistics. Anyway, this is yeah. So this has happened uh, across the front bench. Mr. Rees Mogg in charge of Brexit stuff. A new Chief Whip. We've had a new leader of the Commons, Mark Spencer. Oh, yeah. Um, who accused, or rather said, that the British public didn't actually care about uh, lockdown rule breaking uh, in, in 10 Downing Street. Oh, this yeah, week. we definitely don't. And the new head of housing, who last year voted against a bill which would make rented properties legally safe for human habitation. Yeah. Voted against yeah. it and is now the housing minister. Great times to be alive, James. It's like they enjoy being a bit evil or something like that. It's, it's funny. Almost like that, yeah. yeah. So linked to this then is the fact that the Metropolitan Police have said today that they're going to be emailing 50 people regarding <gasps> Downing Street parties. 50? That's going to take at least two years of work. <laughs> Maybe three. A questionnaire is being sent to those alleged to have been at the events on eight dates between May 2020 and April last year. It will ask for their account of what happened and must be answered <laughs> truthfully, say the Met. It's a one-question one piece, of, piece of email that just says, do you think it was illegal? <laughs> yes or no? We, we did also have Dame Cressida Dick, who... Well, here's a, here's a tangent. Right. Do you remember, James, we were, we were much younger at the time, teenagers. Oh, dear. In the wake of the London bombings of July 2005... Right. The day after, mm-hmm. a Brazilian student, Charles de Menezes, who was 27, right. was shot dead by the Metro- Metropolitan Police whilst boarding a, uh, a London tube train. Right, yeah. He was shot seven times in the head. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it turned out he was completely innocent. Just a guy. Just a random guy. Yeah. And uh, the police got trigger happy and, yes executed this man in an absolutely horrific way yeah with hollow point bullets turns out that the gold commander that day the person in charge of the op was dame cressida dick right how did she get to keep her job it's a funny one and i didn't just keep her job got promoted it's really strange it's like she might owe people some favors or something she is now the commissioner of the Metropolitan Police, and in the wake of the Charles de Menezes sh- uh, shooting, and please do look into it, because it's just another horrible example of uh, police mismanagement and brutality in this country. Yeah. It went, to, it went to trial, costs were paid, damages were shelled out, but it was a fraction of what they really should have done. 
Right. And uh, yeah, even just reading it, there was so much I missed at the time. I would have only been uh, 13, 14 when it happened. And not interested in the news, yeah. Precisely, yeah. So she was in charge of that op and now she's uh, the commissioner. She told BBC Radio London uh, this week, or rather today, Thursday, that she has absolutely no intention of leaving. And she uh, she wants to root out disgusting behaviour within the Met and has told her officers, enough <laughs> yeah, is yeah. enough. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. She's been, she's been just watching and documenting all the bad stuff for years and years. It's been a secret operation to make everybody re- like reveal themselves as bad. And now she's going to take charge and fire all the bad people because now she's a good person. Yeah, well, precisely. She said uh, this is a, a week after a report came out about, well, what's happening within Metropolitan Police. Just hateful stuff. The Independent Office for Police Conduct, they uh, published this report to say that disgraceful misogyny, discrimination, bullying, and sexual harassment have all been discovered within the Metropolitan Police. Isn't that crazy that people who are drawn to a role that gives them power over civilians might actually sometimes be bad and there needs to be a bit more stringent training and oversight? I can't imagine. It's strange. So there were 15 recommendations in in this report after officers were found to have joked about rape, exchanged offensive social media messages, uh, uh, officers allegedly had sex with a vulnerable woman in a room inside a London police station. All of these, the more and more you read, the worse and worse it gets. And uh, as often is the case with these uh, institutions, the behaviour was excused as banter. Yeah, basically. And like p- people way up the chain know about it and do nothing, which is why it comes back to Cressida here, who has known about a lot of this stuff or and just kind of ignored it, but is pretending now that she's on top of it all because she still wants to keep her job. Right. And, you know, tinfoil hat time is like she is using her position to keep trouble away from current government. And, absolutely. And she needs to go, as do... All of them. As does current government, yeah. As do the, like quite a lot of police. But we'll get back to that. We will get back to that, James, because in a post-Cease Operate edit, she has now decided to step down. She's leaving her role after all these uh, series of damaging controversies. We will revisit this next week. But she did also say at some point that it wasn't the job of the police officers outside number 10 to monitor or investigate what was going on inside number 10. Even the fact that people were rocking up with suitcases full of alcohol. Yeah, the police, they've got a very limited role in keeping law and order. And their limited role is like a class thing. They've got to keep the law and order of the lower classes. What you've forgotten is that is that even though they're civil servants, by being in number 10, they're the upper class and they're out of out of reach of the regular bobbies. And to take this full circle, let's talk about Boris and his uh, Jimmy Savile comments. Right. Again, if you missed this, this was uh, in the House of Commons where he's protected by parliamentary pliv- uh, privilege, <laughs> which means that you can say whatever you like yep. in the House of Commons and you cannot be prosecuted or anything happen to you whatsoever because you're protected by privilege, which is why in the past um, court injunctions have been overturned, overruled because... People can, you can just release um, censored information and stuff like that, blah, blah, blah. Censored confidential information. If you say it in the comments, you're protected. And so in this context, as one of these rebuttals in uh, Prime Minister's questions, he accused Sir Keir Starmer as failing to prosecute Jimmy Savile 
the yeah. prolific paedophile and a British TV personality who uh, was well known from the what the seventies right through to the early two thousands, and uh, is now dead happily. But all of these horrific things that uh, Mr. Savile did, Boris Johnson now linking to yeah. the leader of the opposition, which, as I've said earlier, an outright lie, and then led to, as you said, uh, James, Mr. Kierstarmer being surrounded by a mob. Yeah. A couple of days later. Including a certain Piers Corbyn. Right. In the wake of what uh, the Prime Minister said. There were accusations after that that uh, Britain was descending into Trumpian-esque politics, and it's hard to disagree with that. I, wow. Again, I am just so shocked and just so surprised. It's <laughs> like the media is just so swift with picking up on these trends and reporting on them. They've realized that Boris Johnson is like going for Trumpian tactics. Wow. Thank you. Thank you, the media. Oh, okay. But, but genu- you know, genuinely, what is there to be done or is there anything that can be right, done yeah. about this these sort of comments? Well, I think the 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 element that is being looked into by people who want to uphold the integrity of government and and parliament and stuff like that is to try and like codify a few of the unwritten rules of government. Which is it's kind of like there are rules that is like be good and don't lie, and then we won't have to like have the law enter the enter the room. Um, so they're going to try and make the, the be good and don't lie a bit more legal now because clearly it's just being an agreement between civil people isn't good enough. Um, however, I really wouldn't like to see things like parliamentary privilege to go like t- taken away because it is really valuable as a tool for Why? opposition members to, to do what we just mentioned and kind of like leak stuff freely. If they get handed the, the uh, an uncensored report that is clearly just being censored to protect the government, they can they can read it out loud. They can read the whole thing. They can use that privilege to do a lot of good. Okay. Um. So I'm not keen on just seeing the whole the whole thing taken away, but I am keen on seeing like things like lying <laughs> being a little bit more uh, fought back against with legitimate tools rather than a speaker being like, "Oh, you naughty boy, you should maybe think about what you just said." <laughs> yeah. Overall, overall. I am I'm pleased to see the direction that both Starmer and Blackford are taking as leaders in the opposition parties. Right. Uh, Blackford being a little bit more direct and getting in a bit more trouble. And then Starmer you being out one point. hoity-toity and using his big words and actually paying for people to write his speeches and learning them and delivering them somewhat well. You know, it works as a, as a, as a dual-pronged attack and Boris can't handle it. It is good to see him so... so off his off his feet that he that he just hasn't got anything to respond with aside from lies and you could tell that the lie was a desperate move that he was checking with his neighbors and they were saying don't do it Boris and he was like bark, bark, I've got this so like things are going things are going in a direction that is okay. somewhat promising but it's too late right the the country's done for uh, in in too many ways to recover from now so yay. Okay, James, let's move on to the world of entertainment. And it is the one time of the year where we get to talk about the Oscar nominations. Hooray. So, All right. in terms of the big winners or the big nominees from the 94th Academy Awards, okay. The Power of the Dog leads the way with 12 nominations. Right. Followed by June Mm-hmm. With ten, okay. Belfast and West Side Story with seven, right. And then we have a bunch of others which uh, have a uh, handful nominations here and there, right, right, handful between them. Now 
you can go back, dear listener, listen to my review of The Power of the Dog. It is on Netflix. It is a, uh, a dramatic Western, and there were a whole host of nods for the people in that. So it's there for Best Picture. It's also there for Best Actor for Benedict mm-hmm. Cumberbatch, mm-hmm. Best Supporting Actress for Kirsten Dunst, okay. and two Best Supporting Actors, uh, Cody Smith-McPhee and Jesse Plemons, which are all... Very well deserved. It's uh, Jane Campion also for Best Director, and then it's nominated in a bunch of technical categories as well. I fully expect that will win a majority of those I've just I've just read out. All right, Kirsten Dunst. I think is a shoe in okay. for uh, best supporting, but we will see. In terms of best picture, let me read those out there. It is the big uh, award of the night. So, as well as the power of the dog, you've got Belfast, West Side Story, Dune or Dune, mm-hmm. yeah, Licorice Pizza, King Richard, Don't Look Up, Coda, <laughs> Drive My up. Car, <laughs> and Nightmare Alley. Now, James, Nightmare Alley. Nightmare Alley's in there. That's the new. Um... I guess it's just it, Del Toro's got a big name. He's just getting. He just gets added to the list by default. So there are a couple of surprising inclusions in there. One of them being yeah. "Don't Look Up," considering how yeah. mildly it was received by everybody. The reception it, is it just because it's it was just a bunch of big names talking about a vaguely important thing? Maybe a bunch of big names. Yeah, like a little bit of a current message that's kind of trendy for the Oscars right now. Yeah, yeah. I like the. I don't mind when just random films are on these lists. Um, it, it is meaningless. Winning is meaningless. So getting nominated is meaningless. So just a bunch of stuff being on a list that that is a bit of a surprise. Sure, but it, I don't think they're in with a chance of winning it. Right. right no, I I agree. I disagree with uh, yeah. you know just being on the list for the sake of it because there are some important ones there, namely Coda. I, yeah. But, yeah, I'd prefer to see other films that are actually good be on the list for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Coda, which I learned this week, stands for Children of Deaf Adults. Okay. Is a movie which is played or performed by a cast of entirely deaf actors apart from right. the one speaking Coda, ah, the child of, of deaf adults. I see. And there are then acting nods for the likes of Troy Kotzer, who is uh, in the Best Supporting Actor category, mm-hmm. who is entirely deaf, okay. as well as uh, yeah, a couple other nods for that film. So things like that where the whole reception, I mean, the, the movie's been very well uh, re- reviewed and received, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but also the fact that it's been recognised for including people in a community who perhaps in the past were very infrequently featured in movies yeah. or were the subject yeah. of movies, that's a good thing. That's a, that's a good thing, yeah. So yeah. more recognition would be great. The, the other one I want to, uh, other categories to look at here, Best Actress is, is an open playing field. Best Actor, we've got Will Smith for King Richard, which she was very good right. in. Right, yeah. Uh, yeah. Big Bad Denzel Washington for The Tragedy of Macbeth, which was reviewed last week. Uh, yeah. Andrew Garfield in Tick, Tick, Boom, which I believe is on Netflix. It's a musical about, I think, the creation of Rent. Funny how th- these things come full circle, eh, James? And uh, Javier Bardem as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. couple other ones I want to mention. We also have, as I reflected when I reviewed it at the time, Cruella, best costumes. Yeah, that, yeah. I no. thought it was one of the best things about Cruella was the costumes and Jenny Bevan Naturally. It has to multi-time be. Oscar winner is nominated for that but also right. Dune or June is in there too Valid. and yeah as, as we've talked about Dune didn't get a lot of or any acting nods but it yeah. did get all the other categories things like best sound you know what it didn't best get? Uh, production design what didn't it get best director it didn't no that's that's interesting what do you make Which, of that I think it's 
like a sham. I think that's the least, that's the thing I can't get behind the most. You don't get a film, the likes of Dune, with basically some of the most loving directing that's been seen in years and actually get it on the best film list, but not the best director list. That, right, that right. film was made by the direction more than any of the other elements. And then the supporting things would be like things like the CGI and the sound design and the editing. Okay. And then maybe the acting and stuff like that. So the fact that it got on the list for like best film, but it didn't get on the list for the thing that made the film the best <laughs> doesn't make any sense. Yeah, there's a, there's a few um, other big names in there in terms of nominations. Dame Judi Dench getting a, another Oscar nomination yeah. for her role in Belfast, which I reviewed last week. Kieran Hines, also in Belfast. I thought he was splendid. Right. And he may well win that for Best Supporting Actor. And there was also a lot of uh, people who missed out, including Lady Gaga <gasps> for House of Gucci. There was very much a lot of chatter that uh, she would be in there. Right. But um, no Gaga. she missed out. Yeah, she was brought down by sabotage. Oh, there was a lot of... Oscar baited films, yeah, which failed to make the cut, including The Last Jewel. That was another Ridley Scott epic, which was turn your brain off and watch it. It's not bad. Okay, but it was it was designed to be. Hey, Oscar voters! Hey, the, hey the Oscars! <laughs> Want to give lots of awards to this movie? And they just said no. Yeah, yeah, I can absolutely get behind that film not being on many lists, having actually seen it. Okay. Um, one other, I'm assuming like Marvel got a few of the technical nominations and stuff, so I'm, that's just boring. So well done them. It was a, an interesting. Just before we move on, there was an interesting fact I, I noticed here. There are no overlaps between the best actress and best picture categories. <gasps> so all five women ah. nominated for a leading role appeared in films which didn't make it into the main top that's category. That, that, that's a bit weird too. Now. Apparently, this is common because whilst Frances McDormand, the wonderful Frances McDormand and Nomadland, yeah. synced their victories last year, that was the first time in 15 years right. that the winner of Best Actress appeared Curious. in the film that also won Best Picture. Curious. Really interesting. Mm, I, am in, I am interested to, to look at the past of this because that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Yeah, you also had uh, the likes of Jared Leto and House of Gucci, who was absolutely swinging for an Oscar, who was overlooked. <laughs> <laughs> Overlooked. <laughs> and, well, I mean, it was, At least he landed a Marvel film. He did. And also Alana Haim, Yay. or Haim, uh, who had gone from the band Haim to uh, to star in Licorice, Licorice Pizza, who was also uh, missed. Uh, Kristen Stewart did make it into Best Actress for her role in Spencer, but the movie itself okay. did not make the cut. All right. Okay, James, let's move on to what you've been watching. Tell us, what have you been watching? I'm going to treat you to two reviews this oh. week, two TV shows. I, I watched quite a while ago, I watched The Wheel of Time, uh, Amazon okay. uh, show, and I just finished this week uh, The Book of Boba Fett. Interesting. Disney. Okay, tell me first of all about The Wheel of Time, because I've seen a lot of adverts for that. It does look kind of like a futuristic Game of Thrones, is that right? They tried, it's, it's Amazon's attempt at grabbing the Game of Thrones audience without, without their Lord of the Rings show <laughs> being a thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So The Wheel of Time is kind of like, it's a well-established IP, very, okay. very popular book series, very long book series with like questionably well-written books. Uh, so I read book one a while ago and I didn't really enjoy reading it as much as I, as, like, I enjoyed the world and the characters a lot, but I didn't like reading it. So I'm glad to be getting to watch a show to experience the world and characters without having to get myself bogged down in the reading. It's kind of like 
future, 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 not futuristic fantasy. Sorry, it's high fantasy. Okay, there's magic. There, there, you've got a group of young people experiencing their story in the world and taking part in like saving the world from disaster. They're led by a, a wise woman who's got magic and her her loyal sword man, uh, and and it, like it's it's it is a good story, and then the adaption is very. Okay. Oh, okay. So, so if it's a good story, but the adaptation's okay, what went wrong? Right. So, um, I'm gonna say it is good enough that I enjoyed it when I watched it. For starters, so the, a lot of the reviews probably gonna come across negative, but overall, I am thumbs upping this show. If you can turn your brain off and watch some Amazon, um, right? They, they changed some character elements and plot elements from the books to try and make book one a thing that could be squeezed into one kind of short TV series. Um, some most of those changes I can understand why they did it to squeeze it into TV or to make it land on TV but it did also reduce the impact of some of those characters and some of the moments that were lost and stuff like that um, so anyone who is a big fan of the books might be very upset by the show other people as a side note who might be upset by the show uh, are people who think that everything's too woke these days because Part of the part of the the established story of this book is that uh, only women can wield magic without going insane. But that was written before everyone hated being woke, so get over it. Um, okay. The show is designed to be approachable and watchable by the masses. It's not designed to be a show for people who are wanting a really high quality, high fantasy show. So that approachability and that shallowness makes it that so a show that I think can be very popular and I All think right. that's why they're still pushing adverts for it even though it's done because I think it is very popular but it kind of reduces the total quality they can hit are there more seasons on the uh, seasons on the way even though they've got as you say Lord of the Rings yeah I'm pretty sure they intend to make the whole thing so season one was kind of just grinding through the setup season getting all the characters to the right place so they can get to the interesting stuff after because season one technically isn't interesting it just sets up all the characters to become interesting okay um so they have hit all of the key moments they did also get struck down by covid production had to halt Ah. one of the actors had to quit and an actor in a very significant role so had to recast them so that actor had to be written out of the final two episodes so it's like there are these clunky elements of a show made during covid um it's got elements of a story that are too fast and then elements of a story that are just too slow because they had to fill in the airtime um, with something that they could afford, right, I right. guess. Um, character decisions don't always make sense. The dialogue doesn't always line up with what happens next. Stuff like right. that. All the usual things you see from a TV series that is like good enough and you can tell people liked it but maybe didn't have enough time to be made perfectly. Okay. I will say, though, the CGI, the creature work... Not quite the CGI for the magic, but more the creature work uh, and all of that stuff is is really, really quite quite exceptionally well done. Nice. Um, I will keep watching the show when it does continue to be made, but it definitely shouldn't be winning any awards. Okay, nice summary. Well, talking of winning awards, let me tell you about Encanto, which is the new animated film from Disney. It's on Disney+. Plus. It's been out for about a month. It was in cinemas before then. I, uh, myself and Graham, just got around to watching it last week on Disney+, Plus, and it has been nominated for Best Animation at the 94th Academy Awards. Yeah, class, as everything they make does. I think, I'm pretty sure this is a Pixar movie. I'm not sure, but... <laughs> I enjoyed the movie, but... It is missing something. And the reason for that is 
every good or in most cases exceptional Pixar movie has a really strong narrative theme that you can sum up in a in a few words. Right. Whereas Encanto is trying to do so much that it it, it actually misses the main narrative to the extent that when it came to its conclusion I didn't really understand how they had got there or or how they justified it. This is built okay. around I, um, I don't think I don't think it is a Pixar film. I think it is one of the 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 Disney trying to make more things that feel like Pixar film right, films. Right, 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 right. To to give you the 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 context here or the content. This is uh tells the story of the Madrigal family in Colombia and they are in a house which is magic and everybody in the house has a power. So Louisa is super strong and uh, Isabella turns everything to flowers and someone else changes the weather. And then you've got the main character of Mirabelle who does not have a power, who isn't special at all. She's not special, she's ordinary. And you can see where the, you know, what the message for the kids is going to be at the end. But how it gets there is just very unconvincing because it's trying to do too much. Right. And it just didn't click for me. They, they get to that resolution of, uh, you know, how, because the magic is starting to fade and they can't figure out why. And everyone's like, oh, Mirabelle, it's you. It's your fault. Oh, I don't know. And then they find the resolution and it just didn't. Right. It was not earned. If you, if you, had, the, if you had the mind of a child, though. Oh, you'd, you'd love it. You'll love this movie. If you've okay. got young kids. That's what matters. You want to stick on a new film for them, they will have a great time. But in terms of an adult watching it, you'll just think, uh, didn't really click. Okay. And I'm unable to pin down. I think the lack of a strong narrative yeah. and a story that you can sum up in a few words is, is definitely the main reason for me. Yeah. But also, yeah, some of it just some of it just didn't make sense. Like there's a yeah. there's a butterfly motif throughout it. Never explained. <laughs> anyway. All right. Well, my main interactions with the, the film, I've just been seeing like short videos put online of like... Okay. Children of uh, underrepresented backgrounds or underrepresented yes, like, yes. physical types it, it, connecting with the different characters, which is good. It's been so wholesome seeing Latina girls, some of whom look strikingly like the main character, indeed, watching the movie and then saying, Hey, look, that's me. Yeah, exactly. It's me. So. And in, in terms of that box, absolutely well done. Get more films like this out so that people who aren't white <laughs> feel more included. And that's, again, going back to that film Coda. It's another reason why that film mm-hmm. is, is so important. Absolutely. These things are really important. Okay, tell me about your other TV show quickly, because time is disappearing. Indeed. I finished The Book of Boba Fett. This is the Disney post-Mandalorian being a big success and post-Boba <laughs> being a character. People this like Star to Wars, a right? show for that character. Star Wars, Boba Fett, ex-Bounty Hunter, and Fennec Shand, also ex-Bounty Hunter, team up to try and take over the territory formerly occupied by Jabba the Hutt, who you, who you might remember. I do died in the original trilogy so it's okay. kind of like picking up the stories of like characters that were introduced or seen in the mandalorian and given a bit of background in some animation as well and then like tying that together with like where things were left off in the original trilogy and some of the characters from that is, is this um, is this a, a live action it's live action yeah um so it's got Tamara morrison the actual original actor for Django and the clones and stuff like that um taking over the role of Boba, who originally was acted by some other guy in the original trilogy a long time ago. Um, I'm going to say the first thing I want to talk about is that they did some creature work in this film. 
and I was okay with D- it. The TV show. Then this TV show. Sorry. <laughs> Everything's a film to me these days. They did some creature work in this TV show, and I was okay with it. They used practical effects more than other people might have been in- inclined to, and I liked that. It did make everything feel a little bit like a puppet, a little bit like an animatronic, because they are, and you can never do it perfectly, but I'm really into that stuff, so I was really pleased with that. Um <laughs> most of the rest of the show is just distinctly average very much disney quality uh, very much okay. um produced by a group of people around a table rather than anyone who had an interest in just telling a story they loved even though some nah. of the people involved in the overall like direction of the show are people who love it like dave filoni and stuff like that um they just didn't spend the time needed to refine it before making it and releasing it um there were story elements that I really loved, but were handled a little bit carelessly. There were most of the rest of the story was just incredibly underwhelming stuff you've seen before. Um, it's just crime lord who doesn't actually have a bad heart doing things to try and bring peace to the city, and it's kind of clunky. Um, overall, I got the impression that the storyboards for this show were really good and really cool. Okay. People were very passionate about it, but then they forgot to like actually put the weight in behind all of those storyboard moments in each episode right. to try and ground them. So very distinctly average. And sadly, it's a must watch if you're following Star Wars. Oh, this really? is the part that stung. Because I thought, hey, the Boba show, it's, I, if, I, if I don't like it, it's fine because it's just one of the side shows. Yep. Bit of a throwaway. However, they've put in really important character elements for other shows. <laughs> no. Shows that they've made. They've put in character elements for shows that they're planning to make. Um, they've put in character elements for characters that maybe you'll be really delighted to see on the screen and stuff like that. And it's just too much in there that if you're a Star Wars fan, this isn't really a show I would say you can miss. You kind of have ah. to watch it to keep up to date with things. Um, there is quite a bit of fan service. Most of it is okay. Some of it is bad and the stuff that's bad i think is mostly due to the really big gap between where the original trilogy of star wars left things and where the the sequel trilogy picked things up they're okay. trying to bridge that logic gap and those character gaps and the story gaps and that is an impossible task because nothing made sense and they did an okay job at bridging them but that okay job it just doesn't translate to fun watching right uh so the so, like, again, like, I I'd watch, I'd, I watched the show. I enjoyed it for the most part. There were elements that I loved. Um, I will continue to watch it. I'm really glad to see it because it's it's uh, it had some really good cultural elements that I okay. think were, were cool to explore. Um, but overall, I, 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 it's not like it's not like going to be as popular as The Mandalorian. It's not going to spin off any incredible amount of uh, love and uh, like, like any sort of... Uh, um, side character stories and stuff like that. It is just going to be necessary viewing. And I will say, the worst thing was the directing. I think Why? it all comes down to the directing because it was when it was when it didn't need to be like um, when it didn't need to be difficult. Everything was just made really on the nose and obvious. Exposition was always just out loud telling you what you needed to know. Oh, no. And then when it needed to be creative for like action scenes and chase scenes and stuff like that, it's just none of it landed. The directing was terrible for the for the action-y episodes and stuff like that. Um, aside from one of the stories, there's a, there's some flashback stories in here and I think the flashback stuff was, was a bit better, it landed a bit better. But 
tons of the other stuff. The directing was just really poorly done. The color grading made zero sense. So it made everything feel a little bit cartoony in a not very good way. Um, characters were just kind of like shoved in and out of the story a bit too quick. And they, I think they did try, they, it's similar to what you just said about Encounter. They tried to do too much in not enough time and they didn't have the resources to pull it off. And I think a big thing they should have changed was having a better director at the helm. Okay, let me uh, <laughs> move on. However, however, however. No, come on. If anybody is listening that, that, that was involved in making the show, you loved it, I can tell. Like, you can tell that the actors, the set designers, everyone involved at the ground level, they loved making it. They, they put their heart into it. I'm, I'm only ripping the, the top of the chin. Okay, let me succinctly review Matrix 4. Matrix, uh, Matrix? <laughs> Metrics. The metrics. Metrics for our show are through the roof. Into the metrics. Uh, <laughs> resurrections. Oh, now no, we have to delete this episode now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Matrix Resurrections, which is the fourth after Matrix Reloaded, Matrix Revolutions, and Matrix Resurrections. So that means the next one's going to be called, mm-hmm. uh, insert R word here. Matrix Rebranding. <laughs> that works. This one Metrics. is a mess. It's a total mess. Oh, dear. And the reason for that, very similar to my review of Scream 5, or as it's known in cinemas right now, Scream, a few weeks ago. Okay. It is yep. so meta okay. that it becomes painful. Oh, dear. They talk about, in the movie, so Warner Brothers want another Matrix movie. <laughs> that is a line. That is a line in this film. Oh, no. And it's, I can see what they're trying to do, which is let's revisit the stuff which was cool and reimagine it Mm -hmm. and give us some more characters. And there's elements of it which work. Right. And it's the stuff when they are, they're human selves in the the sentinel-controlled world as opposed to their artificial matrix selves. Right, okay, okay. Those are the most interesting bits, but even those bits are undercooked and half-baked. What this movie misses is, as you would expect, what the first film had. A bullet time moment. Right. Something... Melt your brain moment. So jaw-dropping, visually stunning, that it impacts and influences every sci-fi film for the next 20 years. Yeah. It doesn't have it. And it's really difficult to recapture lightning in a bottle that they had with the first movie. Oh, yeah. What can you do these days that is new? Right. So so the only thing they've attempted to do is, as I was confused with the trailer, they are explaining or rather alleging in this in this movie that the matrix we saw uh-huh. was actually a video game that the character of Thomas Anderson created okay and that right that, that's as far that's that's all I'm going to say that's how they explain they're going a level up it's it's inception yeah it's it's just super meta that's so hard to pull off that this movie we all watched is not actually a movie it's a, it's a game that the character designed. Right. And that's why in the trailer there's so much footage of the original film, because in this film, that movie is a game. Right, okay, okay. Did you get it? I get Did it. you get it? I get it. Like, it's not, uh, that's, yeah, that's so hard to do. Really difficult to do, and to me it just didn't work. Far too long, and the way it's ended is clearly setting up more films down the line and I just don't think it's worth it. And by the looks of the box office, it ain't going to get another one anyway. Oh dear. I mean, like, but but still, 
happy they made it. I've seen, I have sadly already spoiled a lot of it for myself because I watched some CGI breakdowns of it. Most of the CGI looks trash, but they did do some good stuff too. Okay, well, dear listener, if you have yourself watched a movie, finished a TV show, you can review it. Send it to us, audio form or written form, seesawparade at gmail.com, and we will play it or read it out. And James, uh, myself and Graham are currently re-watching well, I am rewatching. He's watching for the for the very first time Breaking Bad. Oh, okay. Which has been a really fun revisit so far because it's very much a product of its time where certain things happen and I think, oh, if you had a smartphone, that wouldn't have happened. Indeed. But because it was filmed in 2008 and 2009 <laughs> and uh, the early early 2010s, they have lots of problems which uh, 2022 uh, yeah, yeah, Jesse yeah. Pinkman yeah. would have overcome in a split second. So Indeed. it's really interesting. And honestly, it's such a good show. But I will have a full uh, overview of that yeah, once eventually. again, once I finish my rewatch. But anyway, that's that's to come. <laughs> we got, we got, I'll, I'll try to go rapid, I promise. Okay, well, rapid it is. Let's start with Spotify, because, dear listener, you may well be listening to the podcast using wow. said streaming platform. But James, maybe we should join our our voices to those who've already quit. <laughs> yeah, we matter enough to, to do that. After the Joe Rogan experience scandal rolled on. So here's the news. Spotify has removed 113 episodes off the Joe Rogan experience. Wow. That's after, on top of an initial like 40 or something they deleted when they first acquired the show. After Rogan issued an apology for using racial slurs on the show. What? Uh, after weeks of uh, scrutiny into the misinformation and some right, yeah. sometimes outright lies yeah. on uh, his podcast. So that is now yes. 113 episodes gone. Yes. Uh, 70 had previously uh, been pulled a few days before that. Oh, 70. But all except one of these episodes were actually recorded before the pandemic, which okay. makes it unlikely yes. that their removal was linked to uh, Rogan's dubious claims about COVID-19 and uh, yeah. treatments yeah, and we, vaccine yeah. usage. Yeah, we, we know it's about the racism stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, so <laughs> Rogan clear. then posted uh, an Instagram video apologising for his use of racial slurs. He also likened a predominantly black neighbourhood to the movie Planet of the Apes. Well, yeah, and, and also said some really questionable things about genetics and his very clearly stated beliefs that, that white brains and black brains are different. Yeah, yeah. So, so there's a lot going on, but uh, this all started after Neil Young asked Spotify to remove his music from the platform as a protest. And yeah. ever since then, you've had Joni Mitchell, Dave Crosby, Stephen Sills, a whole list of other uh, older names, shall we say, but a couple of new names in there as well, yeah, yeah. who have uh, requested that their music is taken off the site. Spotify's uh, share value has plummeted, and uh, people have been bragging on social media with their screenshots of having cancelled their Spotify account. So, James, what's your thoughts on all this? Well, hopefully the scrutiny continues and people keep being angry about someone misusing a platform to basically um, send out to the masses a bunch of lies that are going to get people killed. Um, right. Because they aren't pulling, say, episodes that matters. They aren't. He isn't trying to make up for the stuff that he's doing that is currently at his most evil. Um and then you got people like John Stewart and other apologists who are saying like, no, Rogan, he's just he just talks about things, and you can dis you can have discourse about things, and it's okay to have discourse, and he's agreeable, really, but you can't 
have discourse when one side is relying on science and on being like truthful and honest and is therefore more likely to accept that maybe they don't know things and the other side is just a conspiracy theory who will always state everything they believe as fact that isn't discourse yeah, yeah. joe rogan doesn't have discourse and he also isn't a very good host when it comes i've always said he's a good he's a good host when it comes to listening to people my mind is very rapidly changing as i go and listen to some older episodes and realize that if someone doesn't disagree with him incredibly politely with like some form of reverence he does not take it well okay there is one way to 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 disagree with people like joe rogan and other like centrist slash conservative thinkers and it is to bow down to them and say i'm really sorry but i kind of maybe disagree with you a little bit and then maybe they won't lash back with anger and talk over you for the rest of the time right if anyone disagrees with him harshly he will shut it down he is not a good host when it comes to his mind feeling vulnerable okay let's move on and talk about another story which has been big news in scotland over the last week all right david goodwillie Ah. not play for Wraith Rovers Football Club and the club is reviewing his contract after admitting it got it wrong by signing him. So, Shocking. to give you the context here, the club sparked an outcry last week by signing the striker who in 2017 was ruled to be a rapist yeah. and had been ordered to pay £100,000 in damages. So when they announced that they had signed Mr Goodwillie from Clyde, Two club directors resigned, sponsors withdrew, including the well-known author Val McDermott. It's women's team yeah. severed ties with the club. The captain of the women's team quit in yep. protest, yep. and they have now renamed themselves to the McDermott to McDermott Ladies instead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, in the the aftermath of this, after four days of fighting this fire, the club finally came out and Chairman John Sim in a written statement said he had learned a hard but valuable lesson. Oh, sure, yeah. And they bitterly regret signing the 32-year-old, <laughs> saying he will not play oh, yeah. and talks will begin with him about his contract. So, mm-hmm. James, this has been a PR disaster. I mean... Tell me what's happened. They were idiots. That's just it. You, you, like, you, you don't do this. Like, they're trying to claim that they just hired him for his football potential and stuff like that. It's like, clearly, things matter more than that. Yeah, yeah. Someone can be very good at a thing and still be impossible as a a new hire. You cannot do that. You can't cross some lines. And when it comes to someone who has refused to acknowledge and apologize for their past, you definitely cannot. I think... Um, the Livingston manager Martindale uh, had a very okay. very good statement about it. If you if you have or have not read that, uh, revisit it if you have. Read it if you haven't, because he also is a person who had a bad background but did did make amends and did apologize I, and did go through the processes to get his job. Can I give the content here for people who are unaware? Yeah, Livingston manager David Martindale is a former convict. Yeah. was spent jail time for organised crime in Scotland. Yeah. and. When he got out, he got involved in volunteering and eventually worked his way up to be the manager of Livingston Football Club, who are now in the top tier of Scottish football. But as you've said, James, and this to me is the case study Mm -hmm. of someone who has done something wrong in the past and then is totally remorseful in public about it. You know, he was asked, hey, David, did you just fall in with the wrong crowd? He says, no, I was the wrong crowd. Yeah. And he is open about the problems he had, about the violence he was involved in, about the fact that he is so sorry, he's ashamed, he's done this, he's set up, uh, you know, volunteer groups, he's Mm -hmm. gone to outreach classes, he's done this, he's done that, he's done that, and he's showing 
time and time again, even if to him it's it's overkill, yeah. he is proving to anybody that that is in the past. That's who yeah. he was, not who he is. Yeah. And he is someone who is rehabilitated because he did something in the past. He has gone above and beyond to show that that was a mistake and now he's accepted. Yeah. That is what David Gawilly has not done He's not even expressed a shred of remorse yeah, exactly. for what happened. And that may well be because he thinks, oh, I didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. Even though a court has ruled he was a rapist. And that, that, like we've talked about the difference between like a genuine apology and just the PR cover of apology, try to move on. And like this he, is, as you neither. said, the, the case study of someone who did do the whole legitimate turn their life around, prove that they are not the person who deserved to be punished and uh, make the effort to 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 make the world a better place. And then the other people who kind of just like keep living as the same old life, pretend nothing happened and try right, to move right, on, right. which is far more common. Okay, a couple more stories. Let's go over to the States. Let's talk about uh, and talk about the Republican National Committee who this week oh, yay. decided to censure or in other words, condemn <gasps> the Republican... Um, Senators Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger right. for being the only Republican lawmakers who are investigating the wow. deadly January 6th insurrection at the Capitol building last year. Yep. And uh, this uh, resolution by the RNC accused them of persecuting, and I'm quoting here, Ordinary citizens engaged in legitimate political discourse. Yeah, legitimate. That's a statement. Legitimate political discourse. Just all it was was political discourse. That's all it was. Just people having a chat and not, you know, attempting to overthrow and murder lawmakers in, in the US Capitol. Anyway, yeah, that's happened. And uh, since then, other Republicans have actually come out to say... Why? Why? Why did you do this? Including yeah. Mitch McConnell, which was yeah, Mitch McConnell, who has who has actually put his name in the slight rebel hat, but he's an evil person, so you uh, know. We also then had uh, a couple of days later, Mike Pence, the former vice president to Donald Trump, who in a speech said that Trump was wrong to order him, or rather to, to insist to hope, yeah. that Pence could have overturned the 2020 election. There, there was, yeah. for months, after the, uh, the vote in which Trump lost by several million votes, this chatter that on January 6th, Mike Pence could reverse the outcome and uh, falsely give the election victory to Trump. Yeah. In this speech, he's come out to say Trump was wrong, and actually that is is a total lie. So there there does appear to be... Yeah, I mean, Trump is still saying it as well. There does appear to be some infighting within the Republicans here, James. A, a tiny bit. It looks like, for the most part, Trump and the Trump cult is still in charge of the party as far yeah. as it matters, or they are still the, the way the party wants to go. But there are some relatively big names who are trying to steer the ship in a different direction, including Pence, which, to be fair, they did have a gallows built for the guy on the insurrection day. So I can see why he might not like them very much, but he took his time saying so. Um like I, I still think that when it comes down to it, they will rally around whoever they need to to get power again. They will try to sabotage Biden, who is very easy to sabotage, and uh, and um to to ruin his legitimacy, which is very easy to do because Biden's pretty trash. Yeah. Um, and then they'll regain power. Behind whoever they need to rally behind, so the future looks bleak. Okay, and talking of a future looking bleak, let's finish up by talking about Russia-Ukraine, which uh, oh, great. Uh, Boris Johnson has described today 
as uh, at its most dangerous moment as uh, politicians and world leaders attempt to de-escalate the crisis, which is uh, still right. unfolding on the Russia-Ukraine border. So uh, Prime Minister Boris Johnson has called on Putin to disengage uh, from this potential conflict. We've had Emmanuel Macron, the French president, meeting with Vladimir Putin for five hours worth of talks. And then today... Yeah. I could not help but laugh here. Russia's Foreign Secretary Sergei Lavrov claimed that a meeting with his British counterpart Liz Truss in Moscow no. was a conversation between deaf and dumb. <laughs> Which is is quite the quote, and uh, Liz Truss, who oh is still at the Kremlin for these talks, uh, denied that she was mute right. in their discussion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure she was really good at her job. <laughs> Clearly, James, there actually is a concerted effort here. There is to to to, to attempting to avoid this because I remember in the past, particularly with Crimea, I don't recall there being this level of engagement and rhetoric from no. other political leaders. You know, they are actually going out there and speaking to the Russian president in an attempt in an, a, yeah. an attempt to get him to stop. Yeah, I, I will say I'm getting the feeling that, they're, that they are conceding quite a bit um, and to try and make this not happen. Right. Um, I will say that Putin has said this the right thing in which he has implied that, hey, if we keep going at this, we're all going to bomb each other to death. That is the implication. He has happily said it, and it is the truth, and it is the way for him to get what he wants. Um, it's obviously not a thing I'm happy about. Um, so I'm, I'm assuming that the way to bring peace to it is to concede a little bit more than we should as uh, as people who are, want to keep Ukraine as independent or whatever. Um, the rumors of what we're conceding are not very hopeful, um, but th- I, like there is this recognition that if we did go to war, Russia loses unless everyone loses. Okay, and Putin has recognized that he doesn't win unless everybody loses. So there is an element of realism here. There is an element of people trying to figure out a solution. I think Macron is very keen to be the person who solves it so it will bolster his chances of getting re-elected and therefore he might be willing to give more than he should. So come back next week. Indeed. Okay, uh, one final thing I do want to talk about, James, is Facebook. All right. Because (laughs) this week they announced that for the first time in their history, their month-on-month visitors were down. Yes. They'd actually fallen. Yes. For the first time ever. Yes. And the current uh, the current chat is that Meta, which is the new Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp the, yeah, parent, the parent company, company. Yeah, yeah. if Meta's not given the option to transfer, store, and process data from its European users on US-based servers, which would break transatlantic privacy rules, right. Facebook and Instagram may be shut down across Europe. That is according wow. to Meta. They're, they're, they're you know. essentially <laughs> hanging this uh, sort of Damocles over <laughs> the European Union to say, well, you better agree, otherwise we're yeah, going to Shut down Instagram and Facebook. I don't think it's quite the threat that they hope it is. <laughs> right? I think, I'm pretty sure everyone's very well aware of the harm that Facebook and Instagram do to most people in the world. And therefore, Indeed. the people in charge of those nations might see it as a get out of jail free card so they don't have to ban the platforms themselves. <laughs> so okay. I might move to EU after this one. No, like hopefully, hopefully Facebook tanks, hopefully all of the ad bubble tanks, hopefully we have a new world where things that are valued are actually have some value behind them rather than the current uh, economy and blah, blah, blah. But my goodness, 
at least there's something to look forward to if they actually do <laughs> stop existing. Indeed. That would be glorious. Uh, a utopia. Something like that, yeah. Where, where Russia is bigger. Oh boy, no. No, 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 no. <laughs> okay, well, at the end of the show, James, uh, here we are. Thank you very much for your time. We made it. And dear listener, yeah. if you would like to get in touch, disagree, agree, share your own tuppence worth of anything we've discussed on the show, you can at Seesaw Parade on Twitter. Seesaw Parade at gmail.com. And James, I will see you next time. Yeah. See ya. Whenever that may be. Who knows? We're busy people. Well, one of us is. <laughs> you. Am I? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>